0: Creators have built a mansion in someone else's backyard with no rental agreement. That's the current state of the internet.
1: Hello everybody, you're listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horbach. Before we jump into this episode. Please take a second to hit like and subscribe, that will help me out a ton. And then you won't miss a single episode when it's published. So, this week we have Justin Rizvani joining the podcast. Justin is the author of Unapologetic Freedom. This is the next episode in what I am coining my, coining my crypto series. So, we're going to get into Bitcoin, the Lightning Network, and why it is important for your freedom. Let's jump in, Justin. Thank you so much for doing this podcast and being a part part of this like little crypto series that I've found myself in. I started it like most people, not knowing a single thing about blockchain or Bitcoin or NFTs or any of these phrases that a lot of us are hearing. And I think you and I probably got interested in this topic for the same reason. Because when I saw the title of your book, um, Unapologetic Freedom, and I finished it this week, I was Thank like, you. this guy gets me. Um, so I <laughs> super stoked to have you on because a lot of the episodes I've done so far are like kind of um like 101 masterclasses, that kind of thing, just to get people literate in it. But your reason is like what fuels that passion behind it, at least for yeah. me, which is like the utility of it. So of um course. yeah, if you kind of want to tell me what what started this journey for you.
0: So I've been in the creator space for over 10 years at this point my first company was the amplify started in 2013 was built to have creators and fans and and brands to actually build an intimate relationship through a mobile app to do ads on Instagram so i've always kind of thought that the the fan supported model was going to be the future of the creator economy and then i got introduced to the lightning network in 2020 i saw the impact of censorship after covid started occurring and i was like this is the most obvious way that brands should interact I'm sorry, A creator should interact with their fans is, mm-hmm. is direct payments, direct monetization, remove the middleman, remove the arbiter. That was obvious to me. And, and Lightning Network was the way to do that.
1: No. So, and Lightning Network is relatively new, correct? Because before that, yeah. it was it would take eons to transfer Bitcoin. And that was kind of the main hindrance for it. People said that this couldn't be a, a viable utility because it took so long.
0: Sure. Because it, it, it's a very secure transaction that's being broadcast to thousands of computers across the world, um, whereas the Lightning Network is a peer-to-peer network. It's node-to-node. It it allows you to transfer instantly at the speed of light between two individuals, not just instant transfer, but instant settlement. It's it's a far superior payment rails than the current infrastructure that we have today. And that's what we're so excited about, Zion being the future payment processor of the crater economy.
1: Okay, so I wanted to ask you about Zion because I didn't have a chance to um, look into that exactly. So is it a social media network that you're building or is it payment processing? Is it both?
0: Yeah, it, it's a little bit of both. We're kind of a mix of what I would describe as like Instagram and Patreon into one single application. So we combined all the great things about supporting creators through payments and direct support and then also build communities on top of that. We think the future of the of creators is basically building communities online but the difference is that you own everything. Whereas okay. in all of these centralized services, the companies own the relationship. But in Zion, we're more of a utility that allows creators to own a relationship with their fans. And there's three main things that we're trying to fix on the internet. We're trying to fix the ownership of identity, messaging and data storage, and then payments. Arguably, those, are, those three things are what we use every single day to interact online. We use our identity, which is the base layer that we log into things. Then we use a messaging relay or some sort of a data transfer service to transfer that information across the web. And then we use money to interact that value. And so Zahn is fixing those three problems using a decentralized open source system.
1: No. So I I heard someone talking about this the other day and it made me laugh. They were basically recalling what we're doing right now on traditional centralized um, platforms as digital sharecropping. And I was like, it's 100% accurate because you build up a brand and you build up a community. And for a lot of people, this is their livelihoods. Like, I I definitely want to get into um, like how this affects the everyday person because I think a lot of people are like, I'm not an influencer, so I don't care. I'm not a content creator, so I don't care. But this absolutely affects every single person that has a phone. But it's like, you spend all of these years creating this company, essentially, and then overnight you can wake up and it's gone. And that sounds kind of crazy, but like imagine if you just woke up and everything you had built was taken away without cause. So I don't understand how that's legal. But if you were to skim through that terms of service, it's in there just like they tell you. You don't, don't it own is.
0: anything. That's why right. there's this illusion um, that we've built that we've used this term that it's my Instagram or my Twitter. When it's right. not, and it's in fact, you're nothing. You, you don't own anything in terms of the relationship. You don't own the content. Everything you're doing is on this service. And they just say, hey, you're allowed to use our service for free. And we get to do whatever we want. I mean, that's like, creators have built a mansion in someone else's backyard with no rental agreement. That's the current state of the internet. And our offer, our our value, and, and I think the promises of the new world is you can now own your audience for the first time ever because you own the identity, you own how the content is disseminated to those other people that are your followers, and they can directly support you with no middleman using the Lightning Network. I think that's the impact of how payments will work. Like, if you look at the differences that are out there right now, if you look at Patreon, Patreon has six layers of people between you and your fans. It has the credit card, the credit card company, the credit card processor, the bank, the website, all of these other things in between you. Whereas in Zion, it's just a wallet and a wallet. And it can transact value freely with instant settlement, not 30 days, not 45 days, not 60 days. It's instant settlement between you and your fans. And I think why that's important for regular people is that creators can also monetize them. Everyone becomes a creator, right? So every comment in Zion is an active opportunity for a payment. Every single piece of content. So even that sub-comment or that sub-reply, someone can send you sats for that. Mm -hmm. And I think the big, big, big thing about the book was also to outline the opportunity and say, look, there's another system coming. We have a better way to do this for the first time. We have a way to fix what's wrong with the internet. And I think that's why Unapologetic Freedom is like that manifesto and it's kind of the de facto book on censorship. It's like, this is what's happening in the world and this is the solution.
1: So I find it funny because I'm like, I'm waiting for you to post that your book gets taken down or something like that. And I hope it doesn't, obviously. I hope no. it, it continues to do really well. I don't but- think it would, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's like calling out the very systems that it's being sold on, right? And I was like, there's just something really its not like, big amusing enough yet. to me.
0: I don't think anyone's listened to it. <laughs> I mean, we had a couple, of th- I think a couple thousand people bought the book, but which is very weird to me. It's kind of a weird thing.
1: Is it? What's it's the feedback been so far?
0: Be- I mean, feedback's been great, like very mm-hmm. supportive from from the community. But what's weird about it is your ideas are in someone's brain and i think like i've i've always heard that that's like a interesting thing that like these are my ideas these are my theses i've taken for the past 10 years of my life i put it into words in a you know a couple hundred pages and now people are listening to my ideas they're they're listening to what i'm what i believe and what i think is an opportunity for the future and that's very weird to me i've i've never had ideas disseminated at scale before cuz i'm i'm not an influencer i've i've just been a ceo of a tech company twice and I've had an exit in my 20s. Like, I'm I'm always behind the scenes kind of a CEO. Now I'm being public a little bit more about my life. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit strange to me, but a blessing. I, I hope people find value in it.
1: No, that's probably a good thing because I see, I, I feel like the people that actively seek it out just to seek out the attention, like the, those are generally maybe not the people you want to be listening to. I think it's the people that are a little bit um cautious about stepping into that light and like taking on that responsibility that you're like okay maybe this is a person that has something valuable to say Do you know what i mean
0: i hope so i hope i I can create value yeah I, i hope that this book creates value that's my that was the whole purpose behind it was to create value
1: what I appreciate it too is it's like it's super easy to read. Like it, it, I you could easily read it in a day or two. So if you're very new to the conversation around um, crypto or blockchain or anything like that, it's not intimidating where a lot of the conversations are. And I think the biggest hurdle is getting those people to cross over and to to have that adoption rate kind of increase. Um yeah. So is Zion launched yet? Like yeah, are you- Zion is yeah. live.
0: Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're working on Zion V2. They'll be out in the next few weeks. Uh, but Zion's been live since August. Um, but we've been in this like kind of closed beta. A few thousand people are using it every month just to fix all the things that we were working on. And mm-hmm. over the next few weeks, you'll see a big release coming out. So if you want the latest information, you can go to our website, uh, getzion.com, put in your email address, and uh, we'll be able to let you know when the new version is coming out live for more, more and more creators.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. I've, um I've checked out a couple that have claimed to be decentralized. And then the more you dig into them, they're not. So yeah. um, I initially was talking with Bill over at Minds, And I just think he's like a great stand up mm-hmm. guy. Like, I love what he's doing. And he was one of the people that was like, if it's not open source, then like, that's your first red flag, because I know 100%. When a- Uh, like Getter launched, everyone was like, this is truly decentralized freedom of speech, rah, rah, rah. And then everyone's like, wait a second. And they started doing their homework and they're like, it's not. Um, So right now, I feel like there's a lot of apps that are popping up that are trying to like pretend to be this one thing. And like you said in your book, there's a difference between um, saying we won't censor and we can't censor.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think my my general thesis on the future of social and communication has to fall under... Six rules, like there's six rules to me that you must follow. Number one, it has to be built on a decentralized monetary network. Number two, it has to be focused on permissionless innovation, which means it's open source. It has to have censorship resistant. Uh, The creators should own everything. There should be digital property rights through encryption. And there's one more thing I have to like look in my book. I I, I forgot, (laughs) I always forget the sixth thing, but there's a sixth test that must be passed. Um, and if you pass those six tests, then I think that's what's going to lead to the to the future of social and I, open source is definitely one of them. I'm like scrolling through my book because I have it's the end of the the introduction that I put peer governance versus platform governance. So the idea is that the the platform quote unquote doesn't control what's said; the people inside the community itself control what's said.
1: Mm-hmm. So how how is that applied? Because what I was told is when it comes to like these DAOs and these dApps and if you're having everything be regulated via the community, is essentially if you were to take a boardroom and then just have that boardroom scale out to the internet. So I guess, do you see any like hurdles there when there's so many people?
0: Yeah, I mean, because we let the admins of the communities themselves, like we're not an open town square. We're not like Twitter. So when you join Zion, you're joining a specific community inside of Zion and that community, has an admin or multiple admins and they will regulate their community as they wish. So that's the way that we think of it.
1: Oh, that makes a lot more sense because at scale, I'm like, then who's voting? Cause it could kind of be like on other platforms you could send in swarms of people and then they could complicate it. So it's like one of those things where it's, In theory, beautiful because you don't want this top down method, but then how do you do this bottom up one without it getting like turning into a clusterfuck essentially?
0: And the focus is all around communities. That's the focus.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, one thing I would say, like during this series that I've been recording, and a lot of people have been criticizing, I guess specifically when it comes to Bitcoin, is you hear two things. You hear that it's um, like the most secure network and that it's encrypted end to end. But then I've also had a conversation with the late John McAfee and he was like, Bitcoin is the worst privacy coin. It's essentially someone forever seeing into your bank account. Like once you make a single transaction, like they can forever do that. So how can, I guess, can two things be true at once or can you explain, um, I guess, like that specific critique to people that are really new to the space?
0: I think at the base layer, it, it's a public ledger and it's an open ledger. And if you're tying your name to a specific wallet, then that's what it is. Um, but Lightning is a very privacy-focused network. So the, the Lightning transactions are private if it's between two two separate nodes. Um, wallets are private in that world. So I think it's just a different approach.
1: Okay, so... I guess when it comes to like the everyday person, again, it kind of sounds frivolous when you have like creators complaining about losing platforms, which I do really appreciate as a creator because I'm actually currently shadow banned on almost every platform, so it's like one percent of my followers actually get to see the content that I'm pushing out. And it's a decade. We want to help you.
0: we want to. I would it. love
1: that. That would be amazing. And now we'd it's like get, I, we'd
0: love to get your community on Zion.
1: I would love to push it, but I would say for the everyday person that. To point out, like, I guess the seriousness of this, I have people, which I'm not going to obviously say their names, but like, they're not allowed to bank anymore because of like their profession. So if you have, you know, Bank of America and they find out that you're in some industry that they don't approve of, or MasterCard doesn't want you, let's say, buying marijuana, even though it's legal, like, people are already censoring actual. Um, like everyday Joes. Yeah,
0: there's financial censorship. Isn't just, I think that's what I outlined in the book. It's not just, it's not just freedom of speech, but it's freedom of payment.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And I think people don't really see that happening yet. So I think until that comes to like your personal household, that people aren't going to be incentivized necessarily to take this big, scary leap into this crypto world that people don't really know about yet.
0: Sure. I agree. Mm
1: hmm. Oh, and then oh, so I have one of the quotes from your uh, from your book that I wrote down that I really, really liked. It was by Tim Wu. And right. it said, we must act individually and collectively to make our attention our own again. And so reclaim ownership of the very experience of living And I was like that is an absolutely epic quote. And I think that people don't. Understand that they have like these master psychologists that are working at these big platforms that are literally tr- uh, hired to keep you on, and it's yeah, a there it's there a to point-
0: manipulate you and yeah totally they're there to keep you on there longer they're there to because mm-hmm. the longer you stay the more money they make that's their business mm-hmm. model so you're like you're losing grasp of the reality that you have through algorithms Al- algorithms actually control makes us very impulsive I find myself doing this a lot where I just like impulsively looking at my Instagram, like, what am I doing? I'm like building something to stop this because it's, it's taking us away from being human. I think that's like, it's taking us away from having like direct human interaction because we're no longer communicating human to human. It's now a computer that's sending us and disseminating information into our face. And I think that's a damage to society there. I mean, the social. I, I quoted the social dilemma quite a bit in this book and the impact of increase of teen suicide bullying, there's no consequences on traditional social. And I think like one of the things we want to present is Zion is actually the safest place on the web because you cannot be a bad actor in Zion. Illegal Mm -hmm. is illegal. Illegal content will never be allowed. It will never, it will always be banned. Illegal is illegal. But the concept that you are a bad human and you make someone feel terrible will not happen inside of Zion because there's an accreditation process. Everything is built through a wallet. There's consequences for being a bad actor. And so that's, Mm -hmm. I think those are the. The hopefulness is that we don't have algorithms keeping you on there, manipulating you. Our business model is that the creators and the people that are using will subsidize for it to exist because they want to pay for freedom. They want to pay for sovereignty. They want to pay for that experience.
1: Yeah. And I hope that's the case. I think so many people have kind of been trained and conditioned to access everything for free, that it's going to be like a little bit of a jump to get people to pay. But I think, um, there's like certain networks and i'm not sure if you guys are doing the same thing i think that you you had mentioned this that the create the the community is also getting paid in the in the participation absolutely Um, everyone
0: everyone can be any everyone can monetize the network i think that's the impact of what makes zion different is everything is an active experience and we're not using our own currency i think this is the important thing is there's a lot of people trying to do this stuff and they're making up their own coin or they're making up their own like oh, this NFT. Like, No, we're not making up our own shit. It's just that we're using Bitcoin, the hardest money ever created. We're using the Lightning Network. We're using the things that people understand that want to transfer value through these payment rails. That's what we're using.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably very wise because you see a lot of these rug pulls and you see a lot of people that are creating these coins that have absolutely no utility and it's hurting the it's just hurting the movement period because then there's all of these bad actors and everyone's like, well, if I saw this happen to this guy, I know he invested in we'll say squid games and all of a sudden now he doesn't have anything left to his name. you are like, well, I'm not going to go do that. I'm just going to keep it safe in my, 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 USD. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to the accountability, I think that's um, like a really interesting point with the community because we, I've been on other platforms not decentralized, and you would have mods and it's like the the community can get so crazy, especially if you have a very large one that's very hard to monitor like that the level of conversation that's happening. Um, so that makes a ton of sense as you just have kind of like these mods.
0: yeah, like for us, one of the things we're implement yeah, one of the things we implement is that you have to pay to make like a, a, an admin can decide that you have to pay to make a comment. so that prevents spam. Then we have Mm -hmm. a thing called staking. So if you make a comment and the admin deletes the comment for spam, you lose money. So Mm. we have these incentive barriers that are built in for content posting that will allow a person in a community to not just get out of control. This like staking, proof of work implemented into a social experience.
1: I think the staking is a really cool point with the spam and it doesn't sound like a big deal, but everyone's obviously been watching like the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial and seeing clips everywhere. I just saw a post that was saying, 10% Ten percent or eleven percent of all of the people in that conversation aren't even people; they're all bots.
0: Exactly. I mean, like this,
1: this happens with every charged issue, and it's like, how many times have you got like your entire day was ruined because so you got into an argument with someone online, and it probably wasn't even a person.
0: Yeah, it's probably a bot, and it could be from any country in the world. It's it's because there's no disincentives right now on traditional social media. All you need is an email. And a password, an email that's built on a centralized system, you log in and you could say anything you want to anybody. Where I think in the new world, there's a little bit of a barrier that requires um, you to have a wallet, you to have actual money, you should have all of these things in order to interact inside of these networks.
1: So... I have to ask, what is your opinion on what's happening with Twitter right now? Like, do you think that it's going to be salvageable and like Elon's going to come in and actually be able to have a successful, successful purchase of it and turn it around? Or do you think it's like too far gone?
0: I don't know. I I don't know enough. I think he's an incredible entrepreneur, but I don't know if the, you know, the business models are still predicated on advertising. That's the biggest problem there.
1: Hmm. It's yeah, no, that's definitely that's one hundred percent the biggest issue, and I think we don't realize when you're spending like tens and hundreds of millions of dollars that obviously like that comes with strings attached, and that comes with influence, and that's for everything. That's our media, that's our social media, yeah. um, and you don't necessarily know. I feel like it should at least be like transparent. Like there should be someone said it, it should be like NASCAR. NASCAR's where the sponsors are all listed in plain sight, so you can see exactly like who is in charge of whatever platform or channel that you're watching.
0: yeah, of course, and I, and again, look, you don't own anything on Twitter. it's still the same business model, everything is done. Twitter owns the town square. I think uh, I think it's a great idea, but I don't know, like I don't know enough about exactly what he wants to do with the business.
1: No, all I know is that obviously like the free speech is like the main talking point. So I'm like, hopefully the first thing they do is they lift the shadow bands um, and they get rid of the bots. So at least you know that you're interfacing with a real human because I feel like that would help.
0: But they're not going to do that. That's how they make money, right? Like their advertisers are going to say, you know what? We're pulling ads. We're not like then their revenue disappears overnight. I think these are all the things that are not being taken into account exactly. It's like, how does Twitter make money? It makes mm-hmm. money because someone else pays to get the attention of the users. That's how they make money. So they have to completely flip a business model upside down to figure out how is it going to go if they don't if they actually want to prevent censorship. Isn't because of safety. It's because advertisers don't want that. I, I outlined it in the book. The advertisers don't want to be associated with this type of content, so they say, "Hey, we're not going to advertise with you unless you remove these people."
1: Not to like obviously speculate, but if you're like this big company, I guess what is. What is your benefit to be like having these, these conversations shut down? Because to me, like that's the easiest way to find the truth because if you can't criticize something, then obviously maybe it's not holding its, its weight in, in the truth sector. So if you're like, wait, this is a sacred cow. We cannot touch it. It's like, well, wait a second. That's a red flag to me. Why am I not allowed to ask this question? And then when did conversations become so dangerous? I guess what would what would the benefit be? Like I like if let's say I own Coca-Cola. I don't understand how someone's conversation around whether we should have shut down or not shut down affects my bottom line whatsoever cuz everyone's going to be drinking soda.
0: Wokeism has taken over these large corporations. I mean look look wokeism is 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 the is the new virus. And so at the end of the day they're 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 appeasing to specific employees at these teams. That's kind of where everything is going and I I don't I don't know a good solution for it. I just know that it's wrong, and this is just kind of where culture is going. Is like, no, you can't say these things anymore. Um, We haven't we've we've lost agency completely.
1: Oh man, I I really honestly hope that your platform takes off, and I hope that more people read this book because for me it's it's beyond frustrating because I I've seen friendships go away. I've seen people that they don't they've lost like family members over what would typically be dinner conversations you're like hold on like how are you so attached to this ideology you're willing to cut off someone that you're related to and we've become so polarized and unfortunately like these platforms are quite designed To create that environment. My husband's never on social media. Like, he hates social media. He hates the camera. Like, he's just like a very private person. And he's like, I'm going to try out Twitter. I'm just going to like see what Twitter is about. And he signed up. And I would say within the first week, he's like, I don't know why. I just feel like I have to argue with people. Like, that's what it does to you.
0: Yeah. Because that's, they, they promote that. The algorithm is promoting this concept of, you know, fighting with other individuals and not having a, a polite conversation with people. So there's this like kind of, it's all based upon these computers manipulating us to stay longer, to, to get us excited about issues, instead of just having an open dialogue around communities that we care about. My personal belief is it's all about communities and creators. We need to build a better relationship between audiences and creators.
1: Oh, 100%. I think that's going to be like the value of the future is is your community. And right now, um, that's not the case. It's almost like as influencers, as content creators, you've almost been trained to like suck your community dry without providing anything back. And a lot of platforms like the one that you've launched and similar ones that I've been like hearing about, um, it's like how do we – how do we both rise together? Like how do I create value as a brand, as a creator, but how do you, I create value in you as a community and we can invest in projects together and then that's when you have like social tokens that actually do well and proper roadmaps and then everyone makes money together. And you're like, well, that just seems a lot more fair. And then of course, as like a community member, you're going to want to be more involved because you're you're directly tied to the success of that product or whatever that creator is launching. It's like we're in this together instead of just like take, 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 it's how do I have some sort of like contribution back?
0: Sure. And I think that's that's where we see the biggest value in, in the future is that if you can fix the money, if you can fix the way the messages move across the web, and then if you could fix the identity, you fix everything. Because at the base layer, most people don't own any of these things. What people don't realize is there's 1.5 billion Gmail accounts that people use in to log, log in to downstream centralized systems. Most people at the base layer don't own their identity. They're using an email and password, and they don't own the email. There's an illusion that they own the email. They have a login to a place, but they don't own it. Like, they can be turned off and taken away at any time. Right now, you just mentioned that your bank could be turned off. Right? Why can't they turn off your Gmail account? You're like, you know what? This person is uh, spewing things. And then imagine the downstream effects. Everything from that Gmail account gets turned off. I have it. I have a Gmail account that I use to log into my bank. It's crazy. Like that to me is crazy.
1: It's so hard to switch over though. It's so hard. Like I've been slowly doing these little changes.
0: Yeah, it's hard, but it's that's the thing. Is like if you want freedom, it takes a little bit of work. It's not easy for sovereignty. But we're, what we're trying to do is to make it as easy as possible. That's the value we bring. Is that within a few clicks, you have a decentralized identity that you own through a private uh, and public key pair. You get a you get a lightning wallet instantly, and then you're able to interact in this open stream way across communities.
1: So, do you have anyone criticizing you for being what they would call like a freedom maximalist? Whether like you would consider yourself one or not, because I've had no, that.
0: No, I no? don't. I've never, no one's ever called me that. I'm no, have you heard Twitter. it? I don't think. Have you I haven't even anyone heard call the term that? really. No, I don't think so. I mean,
1: oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. It's like this thing. So it's almost like some people are trying to make you feel guilty for wanting sovereignty or wanting a, a different version of freedom. And some people might say the level that we're trying to get now has never existed before because we used to be in, you know, these small tribes with huts next to each other. So these conversations, um, even if you were to have them in the privacy of your own hut, like someone would overhear it. So the the sense of privacy that we're trying to attain um, has never existed and maybe shouldn't exist.
0: I I, I wouldn't, I don't know if that's me, (laughs) but yeah, I I guess I'm a freedom maximalist, I guess.
1: No, I mean, I I would say that I am probably to a point, I think there's got to be boundaries or bumpers on something to some point, right? You can't have people creating chaos in the streets. Um, but I think when it comes to crypto, like that's one of the first scare tactics a lot of people use is like, this is the quickest way for criminals to, to hide their um, their illegal activity and they're going to be using this for no good. And then to bring it back to your point, you're like illegal is le- illegal and that's not going to be yeah. on your platform. Um, but it's like one of the ways that they try to kind of squeeze their way in to get people to not adopt the new technology. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are a little
0: afraid. People a lot afraid. of people
1: are. No, for yeah. sure. But when you see, I don't know if you watched any of the um, World Economic Forum meeting that they just had. It was, what was it called? Dr. Pippa was like all over everything right now. But it was basically all of these leaders of pretty much every country attended this event and all of them were talking about how to adopt... Some kind of centralized payment. So it went from being this thing that was seen as a Ponzi scheme to not real, to not something that we should even should warrant a conversation. To literally every global leader is like, well, how do we create our own version of this?
0: Yeah, central bank digital currency, CBDCs.
1: What are your opinions? I was going to say, what are your opinions on those? Because I'm terrified of those.
0: I mean, the ability that someone can delete you with a button and delete your money. And you could just disappear off the face of the earth with a smart contract, to me, is a very dangerous situation. Right. That's and why I Bitcoin would... is so important. Bitcoin is our last stand. Bitcoin is the last sovereign asset available in the world. And there's a very specific reason why Zana is built on Bitcoin, not on any of these other coins or cryptocurrencies, is that it is truly the most secure and sovereign asset ever created.
1: So when it comes to using it, I guess, as um, as a currency versus like as an asset, some people would say that it's it was never designed to be to replace any kind of currency just because of the, the massive swings. And I was talking to um, uh, Mashinsky about this and he was like, if you were to ask anyone who's purchased anything with Bitcoin, if they wish that they could take it back, every single person would say yes. And the way that he does it is kind of I think um, it's very complicated and I'm not intelligent enough to explain it. Uh, with enough finesse but essentially it's like taking loans out against the Bitcoin and using it that way um, And then I would say the majority of the people that are like Bitcoin maxis are like no, you can absolutely use it and use SATs and it is meant to be a, t- a different kind of tender. I guess do you see that leveling out to a point where it's not like you you purchase something in Bitcoin and then regret it in the next week?
0: No, I don't think so and I think what's interesting is the lightning network is going to allow for, stable coins to be moved across the network as well. So we can have a stable base currency and use the Lightning Network as the payment rails to move that currency back and forth. Um, So I think looking at it as a payment processing system, to be able to move value across the chain is where we're going to see things go in the future.
1: No, that makes a lot more sense. Um, I wanted to ask, so you have had like a pretty interesting couple of years. And at the beginning of the book, you kind of talk about this really terrifying but transformative experience that led you from California to Austin um, it sounded like it was pretty what, what do you call them like a like a near-death experience is that kind of how you would describe it yeah a little bit do you have like anything that you ha- didn't write in the book that we could dig into
0: uh, not, I would say read the introduction of the book if you can I think like we can tease out a little bit but it was a it was a transformational experience and Nothing in particular I'd share that I didn't already share in the book. So I think it was a great teaser to get, to get into like, why did I decide to do this? Why did I decide to spend my life force energy in building this business?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to give it away because it's really good. But I was like, that is absolutely wild. And you have had probably a crazy two years from that to, to the launch of your book. So kudos to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so I guess before we close out the podcast, do you want to tell the listeners how they can support you, where they can follow you, and um, where they can get your book and join Zion?
0: Well, thank you so much again for this. So my name is Justin Rizvani. I'm Justin Rizvani on all social channels. Um, If you go to GetZion.com, you can sign up for Zion. Um, My book is available on Amazon. It's called Unapologetic Freedom. Um, you can find me on the internet. It's pretty easy. If you search <laughs> Zion Bitcoin, we're gonna be the only one out there. And so this book, you know we, we tried to make this book as easy to gather as possible. I think if you get the ebook, it's like seven bucks, the paperback is 10. audiobook is I think if you have credits, it's like seven. We literally made it the cheapest possible possible book to get printed and sent to people. So it would support us a lot. if you if you read it and you put a review on Amazon, of what did you really think of it? Um, we are trying to share a story of what is happening in this centralized world to people. What are the freedoms that are getting taken away from us? And then what is the solution, right? It's not just what the problem is. A lot of people talk about problems, but we also have a solution. We have a potential solution that we want everyone to join this new pattern, this new way of doing things and give an opportunity to have sovereignty back in their lives.
1: Awesome. Well, I wish you all of the success on your journey, Justin. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. This was so great. Appreciate you.
1: Well, that's it for this week's episode of chatting with Candace. Before you take off, click this little button. It will take you to my community SMS page. It's kind of like a newsletter, but in text form. I promise I won't spam you. I just think it's really important that we stay in contact with one another or at least have that option in case my channel goes poof overnight, which we know is possible. So click this little link or this little bubble. And then if you're listening, I will have the phone number in the show notes. Pop in, say hello, tell me what you liked about the episode, what you learned, have any questions, please reach out and I will see you. I'll see you next week.